Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Uh, I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, actually. Uh, why are you doing pretty well? Well, I'm I'm feeling like I'm on the road to recovery after all that surgery. Um, uh, it's still a little bumpy up and down, but the trend is definitely up. And uh, this week was the first week I got to get back in the swimming pool and swim properly, and that always makes me happy. So I'm probably... Uh, um, my body's getting back to having all those endorphins floating around in it as a result of exercise, and that's probably improving my mood and my general outlook. So you, you, you do you do sound very chipper. You know, they're all they're, they're they're all alternate ways of getting endorphins into your system. You know, that's right. Oh, well, um, I'm taking I'm taking that one. I love that one. The water. I love the water. Anyway. This week, Facebook had their um, their big developer conference, and mm. and it, uh, something that I thought was interesting, just kind of thinking about. Uh, you know how I think about what I'm going to write about is really a sense that, and I, I've written about you know the, the their developer conference in the past, but I think it was I should check. I don't know for sure, but I, th- I believe it was in the daily update before. But it, there's definitely a I feel like, and I just presume this even before it happened that this is very much of the level of you know Google I/O or WWDC, like mm-hmm. like that. It, it it it's not a like and I, I presumed ahead of time that my main weekly article this week would be about the keynote, uh-huh. and I, it's 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 kind of it's obviously an anecdote. It's about me, but I think it's a, a bit representative of just really where Facebook really is, kind of in the 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 stratosphere rankings of like companies that matter and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of an interesting observation looking at myself and the way the way I thought about it. Well, I, I don't know. Like, given our conversations I, I, and the the direction they're taking, I don't know that there are too many more important companies in in media right now. Uh, uh, I'm I'm sure if you dug into so if we dug into traffic, like it, it, and it was interesting as well because the Neiman Labs published a thing. I think I saw it today where they were talking about how uh, Twitter is really important in terms of getting articles started. Uh, but what in, ultimately what ends up driving all the traffic ends up being Facebook. And um, uh, I'm sure you see this on a more regular basis with things that go big. I don't write anywhere near as much as you do. But the the, the thing that I wrote on um, the encryption and Apple and um, San Bernardino, like Facebook drove the lion's share of the traffic there. And uh, it's it's just getting to this point now where it's it's not only this super interesting tech company, but it's also almost... Uh, it's the front door to the internet, you know. It's crazy how important it is, right? And, and that's certainly been, you know, a core part of my, you know, thesis as as someone who's been very uh, positive about about Facebook's prospects. But but I think you know there, there there's a there's a deeper thing here. I mean, what makes Google I/O important or what makes WWDC important? It's that these are, you know, that they're, they're the, the so many other companies, their fortunes depend on, on on Apple, depend on Google, and that makes what they announce super important, not just for Apple or Google, but for any number of industries. And to your point, that's certainly the case for Facebook and media, but it's a it's a case more and more and more broadly. Uh, there's been, you know, the reason why I've been writing about messaging for example and and from very early on i think like my third ever article was about messaging uh on Stratechery. and is because 
as I've written a few times, I, I see this, like this layer and messaging is one manifestation of it, but just kind of the social layer in general, this front door, the place where people actually use their phones, where they actually live in their phones. It is the browser. It is to the phone, what the browser was to the PC and the browser made, whether it was a windows or, or, or Mac or in Linux or whatever, irrelevant, generally speaking, because all the services that mattered lived in the browser. And that's more and more the case on mobile. Like whether you use an iPhone or whether you use an Android doesn't really matter. What matters is where you actually live and where people actually live is by and large dominated by Facebook, particularly, you know, everywhere, everywhere but China. So that, that's a super interesting, it's a super interesting point, the way that you draw the comparison between the browser and the PC and how that kind of abstracted away what sat underneath and it, it what uh, it, it's why Microsoft saw it as a model threat and why it, it kind of enabled Apple to stick around in the, in the PC and even come back. Um, uh, it's interesting that you draw the parallel that messaging is the equivalent of of that one. Well, it, it, not, not just messaging. Like I would say all this entire – let's call it social in general mm. where I would include everything from messaging to to Facebook to, to, to basically just the apps where people live and the apps where people live are – Broadly speaking, social in nature, whether they be Facebook, whether they be Twitter, whether they be Snapchat, whether they be WeChat or Line, but the, but so this just let's just call it the social layer, and we can get into the differences in the social layer, which is part of what I wrote about this week. But not just messaging, just 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 sorry, I interrupt you, just to kind of no 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 no, it's that. a it's a good clar it's a good clarification because uh, I actually thought you were about to start to draw the tension between. Uh, uh, the messaging side of things and the, the some of the other elements of social. And that's kind of the tension that came out in, in what you wrote about. And I thought that was super interesting. But for those folks who haven't read it, do you want to describe the tension that you were drawing, in, uh, particularly in light of Facebook? I think. You know, so broadly speaking, I think that point, I'm actually, I'm glad I made the clarification too, because I think this point is important that th- there is this, social is such a, it's a it's a huge category and it's not surprising it's a huge category because like we are humans like we're social beings we're, like even the biggest introvert among us like th- there's there's that there's something that comes from that connection like no and there's a reason why people get their news from a facebook sort of thing and not from like google news like a, mm. a, an algorithm that generates stuff like there's just there's there's something the human aspect that resonates even if it's subconsciously un, un, under the surface what what I think is interesting, and we kind of hinted at this uh, a few podcasts ago when we were talking about about Snapchat, is I re- I do think there is, and you see just because you really see it in market after market, there is there's a bifurcation between different types of of social services, in that one kind of leverages the broad knowledge of people to present information for and organize information. And the other is actually about talking to and connecting with people. And those two things are both social, but there's tension there because one is about exposing information, bringing it to the surface, and uh, and it's about being public. And it's making useful connections, like utilitarian sort of connections, whereas the other one is about – is much more about being private. It's about the the 
things that you talk about with someone that you don't want other people to know about or in the moment or being mad about something, right? And it, it, I think it's hard. I think there's a reason why you look at country after country after country, with the exception of China, um, which which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But in country after country, those utilities are separate. They're they're served by separate apps. They may be they may be owned by the same company, like in countries where people communicate with WhatsApp and they they use Facebook as a utility. But it's rare that they're done by one. And I don't think that's. I think that's actually totally understandable. And so, so uh, I, I, the the description that you started off with was quite high level. But what I'm, and it's, I guess it's easier when you start. Uh, well, it, it, maybe some folks like uh, are quite happy operating at that level. Some there's sometimes it's helpful to ground it. So you're kind of talking about the the thing that you want to project to the world, the kind of stuff that you want to be public that you want people to see, and then the the very. Uh, so it's like it's you one to many almost you projecting yourself having a very public conversation or projecting what you want people to see about yourself versus the 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 more messaging type apps where it's uh, it's just the conversation that you and I would have <laughs> assuming it wasn't recorded and then posted on the internet <laughs> right well well I think that, well you're approaching it from kind of the individual user perspective which mm. which I did in the article as well I guess where I was thinking of is is the utility people derive from it mm. okay you know, something like Facebook is used uh, it, it's very utilitarian in, in some respects. That's where you go, uh, particularly in countries outside the U.S., you go to find information about businesses or or you exchange. You, like here, it's like LinkedIn. If you meet someone for a business meeting, you become Facebook friends, which drives me up the wall. But that's just, you know, that's the way people do it. <laughs> it it's where you connect with, you get people's contact information. Uh, and there's a, it's absolutely social. Like there's, there's the, the human component to generating this and to giving context to anything from a restaurant to a business associate to any sort of things that is social and it's super powerful and important. And the reason it really works is because the, the core strategic asset that Facebook has is they own identity. They own identity on the internet. Like you are, you know, a big part of this is they've had a real name policy from the beginning. Um, but also, and, and also we give them all the information. We tell them what we like, who we're connected to, where we live, all this sort of stuff. And obviously this is a treasure trove from a business perspective. It's great for advertising, but there's very real utility to having a place that is our identity. And there are things Facebook introduced this week, like their their access login, which which Twitter kind of tried to figure out before. The problem is most, most people who aren't on Twitter don't use it. Like, But I think it is a really great, tool for Facebook to offer developers, like really Facebook knows who you are. Like, so why are we messing around with all these accounts and passwords everywhere? Like there, there's a lot of utility that could come from leveraging Facebook. And does that roll back into Facebook having more data about you? It, it does. I think there there's more validity to that trade-off maybe than you, and we could get into that. But the, the, the net of it, and this is what I think you were just driving at, is given that Facebook is the representation of what we are online. It is our identity, and it's and it's used in lots of contexts, even more. And again, I think it's even stronger outside the U.S. It's definitely stronger in the U.S. outside of Silicon Valley, which I think is something that that people don't 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 always grok. Mm. But by definition, we're going to want to present our. our a certain aspect of ourselves, our best selves, our our, be- our best photos, our best sort of thing, because that that that's who we are. And what's so interesting is if you go back to the very founding of Facebook in that Harvard dormitory, from day one, it was 
that was what Facebook was about. It was about projecting your best self. And that is baked into the core of what Facebook is and the allure that it has and the hold it has on people and the power of its economic model, frankly. It's all wrapped up in being our identity and our wanting to project our best selves and 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 find out about other people. Yeah. I it, it yeah. This projected self versus real self is a is a really interesting uh is a really interesting tension there. And you can't have you can't have one without the other, right? If if you're once it's locked in that that this is a place for your projected self, like you 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 can't go back. It it almost created um Snapchat in the vacuum like the vacuum it created by having this place on the internet that was so much about this projected self, it almost created a vacuum for Snapchat to fill for for somewhere for you to be where it's not like you're on display all the time where you can be a a little bit more real. And I think techies and maybe... Oh well, maybe this is true. Maybe it's not. It, it it the the Twitter serves that for some for some folks. Um, but I think the for the vast majority of folks, that's the the void that Snapchat has begun to fill. Exactly. And I guess what one of the things I was trying to get at in this article is that that vacuum that you referred to was not created in 2011 when Snapchat was formed as a company that vacuum was created in 2004 when facebook mm. was founded like the the mm. the space for snapchat was baked into facebook from day one and that's okay like and i unfortunately i'm not sure it's okay with mark zuckerberg but the reality is if you look again you look at the behavior of people in in, in markets after markets and if you just think about if you just back up and think about how people act and behave like people do context switch like that's that's just the way we are and we project different selves in different situations and you can get all into the psychology of that and what it means but it's striking in some respects i guess what makes the facebook issue so interesting is one facebook went in a certain direction because of where they were from day one and what what was responded to and what they what they built on but two and that's okay. Just so let's back up. So there's two there's two angles here. One, mm. that's how Facebook was built up, and that's okay. You can build a super valid business there. Indeed, I think that's a better business. I think yeah. Facebook has a better business opportunity than Snapchat is. We talked a little bit about Snapchat, this tension that they're going to have in introducing advertising. And yes, they can change their terms of service, and yes, they can introduce more right. tracking, but they're playing with fire to a far greater extent than Facebook is because of their brand promise is is much more personal than Facebook's ever was, even from day one. But it's not just that, and this is a point that you made in your article that I think is a, a is a fantastic point. That projected self is almost more valuable to advertisers in the sense that it it it, it um, allows them to understand the aspirations of the people that they're targeting and and. Uh, 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 like, like that's much more valuable from an advertiser perspective in some senses, for some products at least, than than the messier real self that's that you that is non public display. Oh, it's so true. I mean, there, there, there's uh, there's some web comic I can't remember what it was, but about like net your Netflix queue, and like how I don't maybe there was even a story about this. Like basically your idealized Netflix queue versus your actual Netflix queue. <laughs> and like where one is like all these highbrow movies and Oscar winners. And the other one has like, you know, like Adam Sandler movies or something like that. And 
that's absolutely true. I think one of the th- one of the things I would argue that makes advertising on the web so creepy, beyond the fact that you browse an item once and you see it pop up in every single site everywhere, but is the fact that because it actually is tracking your actual behavior, you don't always want to be reminded of that. Like you 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 would you want to be shown advertisements for these for these beautiful clothes or these amazing vacations, this life that you imagine for yourself, even if even if you're not necessarily engaged in that right now and and that's something that no it, it, it's a very fine line and and, and but I, I you're right it is it is more valuable i'm thinking about the hawthorne effect which is one of those fam- famous management uh famous management studies um where they they learned for the first time that people's behavior changes when they feel they're being watched and again if you you see that you click on the product once and you see it 10 times you very much feel like you're being watched if if someone has an understanding of that aspiration and is 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 pitching you something that you didn't even know you wanted or you kind of wanted but you hadn't been explicitly um, you hadn't been explicitly searching around and clicking on. I don't know. It, it feels like it's much more likely to click home than uh, so. <laughs> thinking about it from the perspective of these advertisers, though, I don't think that should take away from that aspirational element and that projected self that Facebook has, that data that Facebook has on that side of you, because to advertisers, that's immensely valuable. It is. And to be clear, I mean, this is a very slight difference. I mean, Facebook knows a lot about what you actually like as well. And, uh-huh. and I guess just the, the broader point, I, I mean, I do think that's true. But leaving that aside, even if you completely disagree with that, like just in general, Facebook's, the the in some respects, all the controversy and disputes that Facebook has gone through about privacy in some respects leave them better place to be an advertising platform because yeah. they, they they've already gone they've already been vetted right I mean you compare this like a presidential election right someone who's been through the cycle once like all the attacks that have been made against them have already been made right whereas yeah. someone it's the first time you don't know what's going to happen and and, mm. and particularly when the frame when like again we talked about brand last week with Tesla and Apple and you get to a, a company like Snapchat where they got so much traction and the way they got off the ground was by promising we are the anti-Facebook. We are not going to track anything where your messages disappear. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it, it worked. It was powerful, but it's going to be that much harder for them because again, you go back to Facebook. Facebook was never really about privacy. Like it, from the beginning, the whole point of Facebook was to uh, get yourself online for other people to look at. Like it, it was it was the opposite of of privacy in many respects from day one, and then they doubled down with the introduction of the newsfeed. There was a ton of protest around the newsfeed, which came along two years later. People saying, "Oh, I didn't realize all this stuff would be out there." And Facebook, well, Facebook at first was like, "It's already public," but then Facebook kind of tamped it down and they said, "Oh, we do these controls, blah blah blah." They didn't really change anything, but but that reinforced the 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 truth that Facebook is a your public identity online. And again, that's super duper valuable, but we talk about trade-offs and the trade-off that came with that is it's not your, it's not your place to be your true self, to be, to be intimate with other people online. Right. It's, it, it almost feels like this fundamental founding belief that, uh, that you, uh, that there, it's hard to describe it from, 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 and I want to see whether this resonates with you actually, that Zuckerberg has this belief that, that there, uh, everything should be public. Um, and everything on the site, I mean, they've, they have 
they've created privacy controls. But I think the basis of everything on Facebook, the basis of Facebook is sharing. And just by virtue of that, by virtue of the fact it's harder to tamp that down or it's something that's been baked in later, it, by virtue of that, it's uh, it's made it such that it is, uh, it, the, the way people associate with it is this projected self version versus the kind of more private stuff. What, what, so A, I want to see whether it, that, that, feel, that statement feels like it resonates with you. But B, I think it starts to get into some interesting questions about their most recent product launch around uh, live video, which it feels like they're going after Twitter with. Well, uh, I'm not sure about that. I think that that's, Twitter would probably like to think that. But I, I, w- w- <laughs> you, made, you said something super interesting there that, that I think is super relevant here. And that is that on this specific point, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, I believe, has a, for all his insight and brilliance and understanding how people work and being a great manager and, and the way he shepherds Facebook products and all the things we, we've praised him for, uh, he, he has – He's a radical when it comes to this idea of of, of identity and transparency. I mean, I, you ah. go back to the Facebook the Facebook effect and, and Zuckerberg emphasizing that you have one identity, like there's no split between these different things, and that and not just that, but that it's a better thing that uh, by by having a consistency by not showing one part of yourself to one group, one part to the other, that you'll create a healthier society. It'll be more open and more transparent. There'll be more openness. The concept will be better if you share more. Like that, that's pretty radical stuff, actually. You know what? I I, I think on a, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this and I actually think he's right. I just think there's no path to getting there. I, I, I think he's right from like an engineering perspective. Right, exactly. It's such an engineering mindset that would get you there. The problem is the reality of human lives are just so messy and there's no way of getting there that, uh, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open the kimono on my entire life and uh, one person does it and everyone is like, oh my God. And then, you know, nobody else decides to do it, you know? Right. No, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it sounds great in theory until you remember that humans are involved. Just to restate what, what, yeah. what you said. And that's that's why I framed it as being kind of an engineering mindset, right? There's, and we talk, we've talked about this in the case of products. There's lots of stuff where, oh, the features sound great and all this sort of stuff, but then you actually get to the human component mm. and that's where you get in the fuzzy stuff like experience mm. and, and brand and how people feel and all that sort of stuff that drives – a lot of engineer type thinkers up the wall because tell me, no, what do you mean? Can you no, explain that to me? Quantify that. What it, it can't be quantified. And, and it, by explaining it, you lessen what it is, right? It's this fuzzy abstract thing, but being fuzzy and abstract doesn't make it real. And I think this fits in there, in there too. Like, yes, you can draw a theoretical picture where we are one true selves to everyone, the exact same person everywhere and how liberating and freeing that would be that unfortunately the human race does not work that way. And it hasn't worked that way ever. And, 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 and I'm sorry for all the, as brilliant as Mark Zuckerberg is, he's not going to make people, he's not going to change the right. fundamental aspect of human behavior. What makes it so ironic is the degree to which Facebook relies on tapping into the things that that Zuckerberg seems opposed to. Like Facebook is about – and from day one, this makes it so fascinating. If you go back look at the founding of Facebook, Facebook has tapped into vanity and voyeurism in a very deep and fundamental way. And, and, it, 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 and this is what's so interesting is that you know 
according to the Facebook effect, you know, Zuckerberg was actually kind of ambivalent about Facebook because he was more interested in this other thing called, called Wirehog about sharing. And I don't know to the extent how true that was because, I mean, it's what the author said and he did get access to all the principles involved and it seems pretty valid. But I can almost imagine that being true just because Facebook isn't quite what Zuckerberg wanted, doesn't quite fit his ideals and it never quite did from day one. So let me come back to the second question. So we have these starting ide- uh, putting putting Zuckerberg's founding ideals aside. It started off with this vanity and this voyeurism, and that's what it's tapped into. It's been about projected self. Uh, the so you, you <laughs> I suggested that the live thing was going after Twitter, and I said that because you know that's how t- that's that seems to be the word that Twitter's positioning itself around right now, live like what's happening right now. And then Facebook comes up with this live video. And in the introduction, you know, he, he Zuckerberg was, I, the, the language was like, you know, you don't always want to be, you don't always want to have this perfect photo. You just want to be yourself. It, it was, it was language to that effect. That's not how I think about Facebook. And I'm pretty sure that's not how most people think about Facebook either. Do you think this has a shot at success? Literally, I was sitting here watching the keynote and, and like when he said that line, I like sat up because it's like, one, that's not what Facebook has been about. But two, it seems so clearly a response, not to Twitter, but to Snapchat. Like to me, the the live video is about is a is a response to Snapchat, not to Twitter. And I would suggest I think that Facebook sees Snapchat as a significantly greater threat than they do Twitter. I mean, f- frankly, you're, you're Twitter right. isn't a threat to anyone except themselves for the most part. Yeah, that, that's that's my that's that your that statement was reflecting me probably more than reality. And just listening to you talk about Snapchat like that, uh, you're absolutely right. The, the concern I have about live, so in some respect, people are talking about, oh, you have these videos, and you're getting massive audiences and stuff like that. And, and as you would expect, because one, Facebook has uh, a huge number, everyone's on it. And two, they're pushing out notifications for live videos, and they are compelling. Like there's, a, it is really interesting to hop on and see see what someone's see what someone's doing. I guess the the kind of the concern I have about live video is to me so much of Facebook's strength and the real threat from Snapchat. I think the real threat from Snapchat is not the people sending messages back and forth. It's the stories and 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 discover and where Snapchat becomes a thing that occupies your downtime when you're bored. Like so much of Facebook's value in my estimation comes not from their connecting with people but it comes from their status, as we talked about it, being the front page of the internet, being where you go when you're standing in line, being where you go when you're bored on the couch, being your kind of default place to go. And introducing a product that is interruptive and demanding attention and pulling you in seems counter to that and seems kind of annoying, to be honest. If you take away the on-demand part, though, you've got your newsfeed and now you have an option for, so which is more like friends and news articles that people are sharing. If you take away the uh, push on the push part, which is like, ah, oh, come and look at me. And you just, it's almost like another tab that's almost the equivalent of like with Snapchat, turning on the television and whichever, whichever feed right now is raising to the top. Do you, I mean- 
that that doesn't sound entirely unreasonable, does it? No, no, and and and, and I, I think on on this, I, I don't have. You're right. I don't have a beyond that. I don't have a particularly good articulation of why why live video is a bad idea. Maybe it'll be a great idea. You can certainly see what's engaging about it and and what makes it, you know. There is a, a re- being live for sure feels different because you know that it's actually being experienced right there. And I, I you felt this with 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 Mir with Mir. I almost I forgot what the name is now. That's how the mighty fallen Meerkat and um and Periscope when they first came out. The difference is 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 it is it the fact that it's attached to this? I mean, a is it the brand? Is the brand going to prevent this from happening? Like if people are thinking about uh, doing unscripted kind of I'm being goofy, I'm being real. Are people really going to think about Facebook? And then, I mean, there's the brand, like opening the app to do that in the first place versus using Snapchat or something else. And is is even putting it there just going to make people feel uncomfortable because this is the place they go to create that projected self and Facebook's starting to fracture that in some sense by by creating a product like this. Well, again, I don't think pe- most people... I think right now, though, the, the the reality of Facebook for most people is uh, it is, to use an old term from the sort of uh, uh, Apple debates or whatever, it's more of a consumptive experience, not a creative experience. Mm. And there's and last week there was a few articles, first in the information, and then in Bloomberg getting into Facebook's concern that original sharing is going down, of people posting their own user drained stuff as opposed to sharing an article or a video or, 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 or that sort of thing. And frankly, I'd, I, I'm not sure that that's a, that's a terrible thing. I mean, the fact of the matter is a year ago, I wrote about this actually in, in an article called Facebook in the feed, like, cause you could, this original sharing kind of brouhaha that's come up over the last week, you could actually see this coming a long time ago. And, and so last year I, I used that, that Paul Krugman quote, quote that everyone likes to make fun of him for in 1998 where he was you know saying that it, the internet's gonna be more limited and its economic impact and I, obviously I, I disagree with that but I thought this part of it was interesting so what he said was the growth of the internet will slow drastically as the flaw in Metcalf's law which states that the number of potential connections in a network is proportional to the square of the number of participants becomes apparent most people have nothing to say to each other what's interesting about that is Krugman was clearly wrong about the growth of the internet, um, like r- completely astronomically wrong, but as wrong as you could be. But I'm not totally sure that the reason he was wrong, that, that his reasoning was wrong, if that makes sense. Like what makes Facebook, the reason why sharing has exploded on Facebook and why people are so engrossed in Facebook is not because they just can't tear themselves away from one more set of baby photos. Like the reason why Facebook is compelling and why people open it on the bus stop and open it on the couch and all, and open it on the can and all and wherever else they may be is because there's compelling content there that is by and large created by professional content creators. You know, like that's what BuzzFeed's business is built on is creating compelling stuff that people feel compelled to share on, on, on Facebook. We can get to BuzzFeed in a little bit. It's not that people, yeah, maybe people don't have that much to say, but they have a lot. There's in, more to share than ever before. Mm. If you back up and think about that, one, it's super valuable. 
because owning identity is valuable. It's great for advertising. It's great because there's a ton of utility that comes from that. And and the way you are in people's minds opens yourself up to more monetization opportunities. And like I love what they're doing with Messenger, like building out these utilities to connect with businesses and all this sort of stuff. And wh- oh, let me get to my bot rant. Uh, hopefully, at some oh, point I I was gonna say because if you weren't gonna do it, I was gonna do it. What the hell? <laughs> well, wait, we're we're getting a list to get back to, but so we'll do bots next. But but the implication of all that, of all the benefit and and value that's in Facebook, is is that like why would you go on there and and mess around with your profile? Like you you, you want to optimize it, but like like. The value that Facebook has and that they're moving towards that makes this company so what I think is a, a massive remains a massive opportunity in front of them. The trade off along the way is giving up the making it all about people's original content, like which frankly is really important to the people that post it. Like that person posting her baby pictures cares a lot about the baby pictures. I've seen a lot of baby pictures. I've have my own babies. I love my baby. I love my baby pictures, but they're my baby pictures, right? And and frankly, like Facebook is more interesting the more broadly, you know, attractive content is on there, to be honest, in my opinion. So I'm not too worried about the original sharing thing. Net. Anyhow. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Uh, one thing that I thought was really interesting about uh, Messenger was when uh, Zuckerberg introduced it. He said, oh, look at all the messages that we have compared to SMS. But he – and interestingly, some people kind of took the bait and said Messenger is way more popular than SMS. That's not what he said. He said Messenger and WhatsApp, the volume of messages is way bigger than SMS. Uh, I WhatsApp is massive. It's huge. It dominates messaging in in a huge number of countries in the world. Uh it, with the volume has long since surpassed SMS. I'm not sure, and I haven't seen that much compelling evidence that people are actually using Messenger as their day-to-day regular messaging app. I would love to see some evidence mm. uh, uh, to that. But to that end, what the Messenger team is doing with building out this ability to connect to businesses and and the bot frameworks, all that sort of stuff, is it's very much in line with what I just articulated makes Facebook valuable in, in that Facebook is, is a utility and it has your identity and it knows who you are. And that's what makes it so powerful in this interaction. That's what makes WeChat so powerful. It's not, it's not that there's fancy technology at play. It's that they have all the context of you as a person and as a customer and as whatever your interaction with a third party is, whether that be a business person or whether that be a friend, whether it be family, whether it be business, because they own identity, they have all the contextual pieces to make that conversation so much more smoother and and quicker than mm. anything else. And that's super duper valuable. And I love that Messenger is going in that direction. You can assume trust almost. You're right. There's all that context there, but you can assume trust straight off the bat, and that's incredibly valuable. So, but but but, but let's let's rant about bots because I have my own rant, but I will let you rant first. Uh, it, it it just seems like such an inefficient uh, mechanism for communicating with some somebody or someone. Like if you compare, it, it feels like. 
It reminds me of those old uh, text-based role-playing games. Why on earth would you do that when there's the possibility of like having a more appropriate version of doing it? Like if it's a if it's a simple thing that you need to do, like a graphical user interface makes so much more sense. If it is a complicated thing, then speaking to another human being seems like it makes more sense. Now, maybe one day speech recognition and AI get to the point where you can have a conversation with somebody to the extent that it, you're talking to a machine and it feels like talking to a human and they can deal with complicated things. But having to type that out just feels like it's the worst of both worlds. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's very much in line with, with my rant. Do you know why, why bots are a big deal right now, James? No. Bots are a big deal because a lot of people desperately want them to be a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, one of the implications I believe of kind of the aggregation, the aggregation effect and, and the increased power that's accruing to these these sort of centralized companies is that it's foreclosing a lot of opportunities for for startups and entrepreneurs because Netflix is better place or they build a huge mode or Facebook is better place or Google is better place or all these sorts of things. And and, and so and and the app store has all its own problems and, and people actually only use a few apps and it's hard to get discovery and you have to pay Facebook and, and all this all this sort of stuff. And I think people see bots as well, it's a way around the it's a way around the gatekeeper. It's a way we can get into people, and, and 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 it's a way to build a business. And completely absent from the hysteria over bots is actually a consideration of why people would want to interact with a bot. Mm. And that and whatever company does, and actually, I do think there's potential here, which we can get to in a moment. But whatever company figures it out will be the company that actually starts with the consumer and not with their own desperate desire to build a company or a VC's desperate desire to find a place to invest. So yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm not, I'm little against the bot fade. Yeah, you you know what is interesting? I I feel like the company that's actually getting closest to doing this right right now is a company and a product that we talked about a few episodes ago, Amazon with the Echo. Uh, And it's doing it through voice and it's doing it by getting like opening up APIs and you can start to get the Echo to control other devices or call an Uber using your voice. Now, that is compared to like typing into Messenger, oh, call me an Uber, that which is just ridiculous. Like, oh, hey, Alexa, call me an Uber. I want an Uber. Like that. That's supernatural. That's a great experience. It's uh, it's the same kind of principle of like interfacing uh, using one uh, one interface to then or, or one mode of interaction to then interface to lots of different services which are invisibly dealt with behind but behind the scenes that you don't have to play with. Um, but the way that Amazon's going about it and the experience of using something like that is much closer to the future than the approach that I think Messenger is taking, which is. Uh, you're right. It's like lots of engineers and lots of VCs all like discovery's a problem. Let's just throw it into bots and make it happen. Like that's a terrible experience. Whereas Amazon's approach of like, let's make a great experience and let people plug into it in a way that people will actually enjoy using, like that's a much better approach. So to me, my criticism was about the creation of bots in general. But I think you made a really good point about comparing Alexa versus 
messenger in that what Alexa provides is because it's voice, it, it, it's adding a degree of utility and ease of use that that yeah, if you're on a phone, what's the difference between typing in Messenger versus just opening the Uber app? Like no, there's a very real there's a very real change uh, when it comes to using using your voice. So that, that, that's a totally fair way to a, a good reason why why it's more compelling there. It, yes, it feels like a um, it's like a whole bunch of folks on the supply side of the things feeling a pain in the way that they interact with consumers and then like, okay, we're going to force this down people's throats as opposed to starting with the consumer, like you said, and understanding what's going to be a great experience. And I think that's where Amazon's come at this from the right angle, whereas Facebook feels like what they're doing with... What that I mean, I get it, and I get the supply side problem, but the way they're approaching it with consumers feels so much like a uh, like we have the problem, and we're we're like a, a solution in search of a problem that people have because we have this problem. No, so I see we're saying different things. You're criticizing Messenger. I'm not criticizing Messenger. I'm criticizing the Silicon Valley obsession with creating bots. Uh, okay, I actually think that Messengers kind of goal to connect people with with businesses and retail stores and whatever else it may be via messaging, it, I think it makes a ton of sense. I think it's really smart. And we see how it's worked out in in China with, with WeChat. And, wh- and the reason why it's smart and valuable is an asynchronous conversation is so much better than sitting on the phone, sitting on sitting on hold. Uh, so even if you're talking to a human, to chat with them is is much is much better than than than, than talking on the phone generally. Um, especially if you can quickly switch to voice as as you would be able to in Messenger. Um, the the having a bi-directional channel is is super powerful. Having all your information in one thread that's tracked is powerful, as opposed to having a conversation that goes off the E3 of no idea if there's a record to it. So I, I think what what Facebook is doing around Messenger and positioning it to be this product is really good. The the so that's that's part one. Part two, though, is the way this works out in China for WeChat, for example. It was like it. There's I've read multiple articles talking about how bots are a big deal. Just look at WeChat, which is I'm sorry, but belies complete ignorance about the situation. The vast majority of WeChat official accounts that people interact with are. HTML. <laughs> they are web pages. They are web views where people like in the where they what WeChat provides is basically a web view within the app where you click on an official account, you go into a web view. But what they have are APIs that provide your identity, that provide your payment information, that provide your location, and all that context makes it trivial for you to order dumplings or for you to call a taxi or for you to interact with the with the government like there's all these interesting use cases that are unlocked by having your context all wrapped up in one place and and I'm and the problem the problem and so that's great for Facebook and, and messenger ought to be mimicking WeChat here so that so I, I support that where I get annoyed about this whole bot thing is to me, no one in the valley, no startup wants to hear that. Actually, uh, it's all about building building mobile web pages. <laughs> no one wants to hear that. Actually, it's all about you know uh, getting to local mom and pop stores and getting them hooked up to hooked up to the system because that's not scalable. That's not a fancy technology. That's not cool AI. But that's the reality of what 
WeChat is and what I think would likely be the first and likeliest outcome for messenger success in this area. I think that's a valuable distinction to make because and uh, maybe I was characterizing the messenger thing as just a, a bot service plugging into APIs. And I think what you're getting at that WeChat has done is something that as you said, like lots of startups don't like all the hard work of going and connecting with all the individual businesses and plugging them in and making them work. Maybe it's unfair of me to characterize Messenger in that way for the reasons that you just stated. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think, that, yeah, so I guess all I'm saying is my, I'm, I'm as ranty about bots as you, mm-hmm. um, but I distinguish between the bot craze and what Messenger is doing, which I think is actually very valuable and there is a big opportunity for. And the other thing too is I, I don't see Snapchat going in that direction at all. Um, and frankly, I don't see iMessage going that direction at all. Like like we're building out a, a, a channel that again is very much in line with the Facebook idea of Facebook as a utility. And Again, as much as people want to grab about Facebook, like this is what makes it so powerful and so sticky is even if you dislike Facebook, everyone has to be on Facebook. Like there are more millennials on Facebook than on Snapchat. Like what is the largest age group? Which age group has more users on Facebook than, 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 than any other? It's 18 to 24 year olds, right? Which blows people's minds because the the perception and the narrative is is the exact opposite. But the actual reality is that Facebook is deeply embedded in people's lives. And again, maybe they're not sharing baby photos. Maybe they're just in a neighborhood group or maybe they're in a a study group for, for class. But the re- why, why do those spring up on Facebook? Because everyone's already on Facebook and that's super powerful. And yes, is it utilitarian? Is it like, is it not like connecting people and changing the world? No, maybe not, but it doesn't mean it's not valuable. And to bring this full circle, I guess the, 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 the concern I have about this keynote, there's nothing tangible. I think Facebook's doing good things. It's just that I'm uh, at, at what point does this tension between kind of Mark Zuckerberg's idealistic view of the positive impact of Facebook on the world, the tension between that and the reality of Facebook where the the most value comes from its utility aspect and its ownership of identity, does that tension ever start to cause real problems? Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I just think there is a tension and I think that's interesting and I guess the combine that with you know Facebook introducing a ten year plan. You know how I feel about five. I usually talk about five year plans or ten year plans. Like you know, I've mm. I'll, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The the big problem with the ten year plan is you accomplish it, <laughs> and then you realize everything changed in the meantime. And you just see so many companies doing this. You see Microsoft opening up Microsoft Research and Google with their labs and all this sort of stuff and all this sort of stuff that sounds so good. And it seems to make so much sense, but it's disconnected from users and what users want. And Facebook was so responsive to to its users and to understanding them and to meeting their needs. And something that's cooked up in a lab or on a ten year plan, it, it's like it's like. Communism versus like capitalism, right? Like, you're, yeah, you're not getting that f- market feedback. You're getting directives 
And no, I'm sorry, no one, not Mark Zuckerberg, not anyone, is smart enough to determine exactly how things are going to unfold. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because the uh, that 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 is exactly what Soviet Russia was famously known for its five and its ten year plans. It was it was Stalin and and uh, and those guys that had them. And, it, and we're not saying that Mark Zuckerberg is Stalin, no, just to be super duper clear. No, no, no. Yeah, that's I, it's, it's 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 probably an important point of clarification. There's one other thing. There's one thing you said earlier that's really interesting, though that that got me thinking. And when you drew the comparison between between what Facebook's doing with Messenger and and Apple's not going this path and Snapchat's not. But particularly in the case of Apple, I, like Facebook's had a go at, at trying the phone and it didn't work out. It's talked about trying to build apps on top of it. Um, it's interesting that it, it seems like when you think about how you, you describe the future with Messenger and the context uh, you you connect all the businesses up, and uh, when you when you connect with the business, they know who you are. You can order whatever or do whatever. It's connecting to the web page. Apple's actually in. This is it's getting closer to competition that you might think when you add Apple Pay into this. And you this is the app version where I, I buy something on an app, and Apple Pay confirms my identity versus buying it in Messenger, and Messenger confirms my identity to the existing business. Like they're getting. It may not be through iMessage, but they are starting to compete in the in this space as well. The problem is that Apple sucks at partnering with people and mm. building out these sorts of ecosystems. I mean, look at something like you, you meant you brought the Echo before. Like, what's so what's so what's so smart about the Echo is how simple it is in many respects. Mm. Like, you, it, you there, there's a relatively simple API that like a white bulb or whatever can plug into, and it's not doing fancy speech stuff, and and it's not like like you have to be explicit in your commands. And in some respects, it's like, well, this is kind of like to your point when typing it's like clippy right but but clippy is is compelling clippy the old microsoft office sort of thing it looks like you're trying to write a letter that's actually compelling in a different context which is voice right mm. you because you already have the variability of recognizing voice so in some respects constraining what you can say is actually a good thing that's a helpful constraint because there's fewer places to screw up basically yeah and and amazon by just opening it up and saying whoever wants to plug in you can plug in and embracing if this then that and all these sorts of things you can do and you get this letter uh, if you have an echo you get an email from amazon every week about new integrations with, with, with echo and there's a bunch of them every week and they're all super compelling but that's uh, that's because to to that requires letting go that requires having these basic interfaces which amazon is so good at like they just build out these primitives like we talked about and anyone can plug into it and and it requires a certain mindset that Apple is just mm. terrible at. Apple is has to control everything. They have to everything's be their their dictat and all these sorts of things. We're here in 2016. Siri came out in 2011. There is still no API for Siri. Like you, 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 Siri is used with Apple's services or is not used with with anything. You can you can use it to open apps. That's the one interaction you can use Siri with, with, with a third party app. I, I'm sorry, but. This like, <laughs> I mean, Apple is known for being a dictatorship, right? I mean, and that's great when you're when it comes to delivering, as we've talked about, a single product. But when it comes to fostering an ecosystem of stuff that works together, and and and, and that's necessary for Messenger 
interacting with businesses of all kinds or people and all this sort of stuff, or for Echo interacting with your house. I just don't think Apple has it in their DNA to 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 even if it makes strategic sense to to even approach this. I I think you're probably right. It was just more the 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 different ways that these companies end up in competition and that at Facebook's way of effectively building the apps and interfacing with these uh with these other organizations, Apple's done it through apps and through Apple Pay. Facebook's going to go at it through Messenger. And it's interesting It's interesting how they're just building to get to the same places in very different ways. And uh, one requires more investment. And th- the limitations of the apps are becoming clear to everybody. There are only so many people want to use. Messengers of Facebook's approach with Messenger, given what you've described, is really interesting because... Uh, for all the things we've talked about here, people only want a certain number of apps and potentially you can, again, I I haven't used WeChat. It's like I'm struggling to imagine how this is going to work in a compelling way, but I, I, I believe it. Well, well. Imagine you order something from 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 a store. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg used one eight hundred flowers, right? If I'm ordering flowers for my mom for Mother's Day, I, I'm not going to download the one eight hundred mother one eight hundred flowers at one eight hundred mothers. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not going to download. Yeah, the, totally. It sounds like a a, a sort of CD uh, phone call line. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> not going to download the one eight hundred flowers app. Uh, and and honestly, I find it one of the reasons why iOS has become significantly more irritating over the last several years is this whole drive to force you to download apps mm. and like, and, and deep linking deep linking, which was at the root of that terrible bug a few weeks ago that affected me and lots of other people where you like links on your, on your device actually stopped working. And Apple basically like threw booking.com under the, under the, under the bus, even though it was their bug. Um, and the, the, the problem, the, the, the found, the fundamental reason why that, bug existed is because of a strategy tax in which Apple sees the need to prioritize apps for everything, mm. that apps are the way to inter- interface with everything. And the fact of the matter is for something, it's, it's, it's almost ironic in a way because the stuff you interact with the most, things like productivity apps, if you're creating something, those are so much better as apps than as web apps. Like to have those as web apps sucks, right? Mm. And, and, that's, and apps are so much more responsive. The performance is better, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. What's ironic is Apple is so crappy at supporting the monetization of pro- of productivity apps. On the flip side, these lightweight apps where you're buying flowers or you're uh, you know getting information or following tracking a purchase or all this sort of stuff, that sort of stuff. Who wants to go to the trouble of downloading an app? Just give me a web page. Just give me a web view. It's it's a trivial interaction that ought not require the upfront time and trouble of going to the app store and downloading an app and putting in my password for the 47th billionth time because Apple can't manage to keep track of it and all this other sorts sort of sort of sort of stuff and but but it's but funny it's funny it because we started off this conversation talking about how Facebook's focus on projected self created this vacuum for uh, someone to come along uh, and and be super real with people. It's almost like Apple's focus on apps has created an equivalent vacuum for much lighter weight transactions that you want to have with organizations where you don't want to go to the trouble of of pulling down an app and and figuring out the interface and logging in and doing all those things. And it's almost like it's almost like Facebook's suffered 
on one hand in the projected versus like the kind of, you know, we want the, 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 the kind of like real me, goofy, whatever I'm not putting on my projected self, that kind of suffered there and Snapchat's coming to, uh, coming in to fill the gap, but it's almost the inverse uh, it's almost the inverse when it comes to engagement with businesses, right? Apple's method of engagement with businesses is you have to have this, everyone needs an app, and but not a, we don't want to download 10,000 apps for everything. And Messenger's approach for like these lightweight kind of like, tell me where my tracking is or like I want to order flowers for my mom or something, like it lends itself so well. It's almost like on one hand, the, the thing that they're suffering from on the personal side is actually what's allowing them to – is giving them the opening on the business side of things. No, absolutely, and that's why I love what they're doing with Messenger. And I think – and just to kind of – with Apple and the app thing, I mean, you so you get all this deep linking stuff, and it just makes it so complex. Like it drives me up the wall when I click a link on Twitter or wherever else, and it opens up an app. Right, like a classic example is uh, I want to copy a link from Twitter because, and I want to send it to someone or or whatever. I don't want to copy it from Twitter directly because then I get, I get the, that stupid TCO link. Like mm. I want the actual link, so I click the link to open it, but then it opens in a stupid app, and I can't find how to get the link because it's not a browser with a stupid. Ah, oh, drives me up the wall. But the, the, but and then meanwhile, it's just complex. It's confusing. You're tossed around. You don't know where you're going. You're clicking a link. You think you go Safari. You're not. You end up in some app. There's no back button. What's funny is is Apple is like Android had the back button. Apple didn't. You know, Apple's built this this weird web of apps that almost demands a back button. Instead, they've thrown this thing on the top. That's kind of confusing. And, and it's just it's it's. It's this mess, and it created the complexity that made that bug last week. That bug ultimately – bugs are bugs, but bugs are much more likely as complexity increases, mm. the likelihood of a bug increases. And the reason that complexity is there is because Apple has a strategy tax around apps that – they saw apps as an iPhone differentiator, and so everything has to be apps. Everything has to be apps. We're going to kill the web. Google is about the web. Not going to be about the web. No web. No web. Apps, 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 apps. And the problem is – like there is no run right solution for everything. Apps are better for certain things. They're better again for for productivity, creative type apps that unfortunately Apple doesn't support very well in the App Store. Um, but they're they're not good for lots of other stuff, and it's frustrating. I don't even I don't even know how we got on this point, but but just. I don't know. We're 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 way we're we're we're, we're way off base. We're probably not going to Buzzfeed because we're running super long. We but the, the the net the net of it is 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 there are there are trade offs for sure. You see it with Apple. You see it with Facebook. You see it with you see it with anybody else. When you swim in your lane, like when you do what aligns with you, like for Facebook doing the messenger thing and, and providing a channel for lightweight interactions and connections that that are. It's Facebook's form of ephemerality in a way, right? I don't want to form a commitment to one eight hundred flowers and you know put a ring on it or download the app or whatever it is. Like I, I just want to, I, I just want to buy flowers for my mom for Mother's Day. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just I don't know. I just found it. I I found it uh, uh, ironic and interesting that they're in different circumstances on the personal as they are like the way we interact with each other versus the way we interact with businesses. They're just like on the complete opposite side of the coin with both. Yeah. And, and, and that, like, that's okay. That's the nature of, that's the nature of trade-offs. Right. Mm. And, and uh, 
this is the core of our Apple Cloud criticism. It's the core of 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 my f- critique of Facebook and and that them not owning the personal interaction and that being okay. It's because there was a trade off made, and I think that companies get themselves in trouble when they think they can do anything. Right. And it, that's an awfully hard temptation to avoid when you're on top of the world like Facebook is right now or as Apple has been for yeah. a very long time. But culture and incentives and the way you think about things and the way you do things and the way you develop products and the way you think about ecosystems and the way and markets, all that sort of stuff is is so deeply baked in by the initial trade-offs you made a long, long, long time ago that it just makes so much more sense to partner with companies that have different incentives than you, different lineups than you. But no, everyone has to own it all. I Well, to, uh, to play devil's advocate, which I shouldn't really write at the end, I feel like the reason they do it is that they're worried they're going to – uh, they're going to give away the user or someone's going to build or, or ladder up from one of these things where they partner with someone and then they're going to like this the same way Microsoft saw the browser like they 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 and and Apple see maps and like everyone's everyone's kind of angling they have their home base and they're trying to expand their territory bit by bit and I, I think that the 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 uh the uh the accepted wisdom almost inside of the valley is that you want to be careful giving up elements of the user experience because people won't stop or companies won't stop there. They'll keep pushing. And I, it's not to argue with any of what you've said about the, the, the reasons why companies can't do it and whether they'd be better off, um, they'd be better off, uh, partnering with someone else because it's just not a capability that they have their culture doesn't allow it but i i it's i think it's coming from a place of it's channeling a little bit of andy grove only the paranoid survive and you know all right we work with you and then we see you come in and try and take our lunch so we just got to do it all ourselves do you know what's so nefarious about that though in in the which i think you're exactly right i think that that is a perfect articulation of why companies do this but in their zeal to own the customer relationship, they stop paying attention to the customer and what's yeah. asked for the customer. <laughs> and the net result, and you can see this clearly, clear, you can see this with an iPhone, frankly. Like there are many aspects of the user experience that are worse that derive from Apple's desire to own the customer. And and this is why this is so dangerous and deadly, particularly for a company that's predicated on delivering a superior user experience. Like it's like there's there's an old like analogy, right? Like um, it actually I I think this is a story. I actually know someone that was actually happened to, and and she was very traumatized by it. Where you you know she had like a bird, and and she looked down like twenty minutes later, and the bird was dead. Because she was holding it so tightly that that uh, it constricted it and trying to not let it get away, mm-hmm. and this idea that the the tighter you hold on to something, the more it will slip through your fingers. I, I this is a real this is a real danger. Uh, again, Andy Grove had the luxury of of his greatest CEO he was he was building chips that didn't really have much to do with the user experience. I mean, they did had a ton of user experience, but like they weren't about like. You know what mm. I mean? Like yeah, they, 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 totally. they were inside your computer. Uh, 
if your zeal in owning the customer starts interfering with why you got that customer in the first place, you're in a, you're in a dangerous place. And, and that applies to Apple, it applies to Facebook, it applies to Google, it applies to, to all of them. I, w- I was going to say, and the customer might, be, customer might be too, we had a Twitter exchange during the week where someone asked you and I whether we used Apple Maps. And I was like, ah, I'll use Waze or Google wherever I can. And you were like, well, if I used it over here, they start taking me the wrong way up one-way roads and like turning on streets where I'm not allowed to turn. Like uh, you're actually risking your life. So you are literally- I have the literal bird in the hands. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. You are literally the bird in the hands and Apple is squeezing you too tightly and sending you in front of traffic in Taipei. <sighs> oh. So anyhow, uh, uh, just a note to our listeners, we had significant connection problems in this call. Um, we're actually well into like two hours of recording because we have no idea how long we've actually been recording. Uh, so one, if this went long, I'm sorry. Two, if it's a little disjointed, I also yeah. apologize. Um, we, we'll, we'll apologize. do the best. Yeah, we'll do the best we can and edit to fix it. But we did have big technical difficulties. So thank you to our listeners for your patience. Uh, yeah. And uh, we will we will yell at at the powers that be to do better next week because it's not yeah. our fault <laughs> oh god i yeah uh, i don't now you're making me think of this steve jobs janitor story but i'm let's not go there <laughs> <laughs> sounds good i will talk to you later see ya all right bye-bye